the most underplayed sacrament in the life of the church is one of the most important. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I'm coming at you from a hotel. If I sound weird, it's that <laughs> it's, the, it's the hotel's fault, not mine. And I am joined today by Dave Ankelstrong Van Vickel. How you doing, Dave? What's Ankelstrong? What is that? Well, let me tell you, when you gave me permission to go refill my coffee in the hotel lobby just now, <laughs> a, guy's, <laughs> a guy's t-shirt in front of me said, you're only as strong as your greatest setback. Ankle strong. Or something like that. I was like, that is ankle strong. Odd. That's, that's, well, ankle you know what strong. I think? I think from what I can extrapolate, he's obviously very athletic, looks like a trainer. So maybe he <laughs> helps athletes who have had boo-boos on their ankles uh, get ankle strong. And I just I wonder how strong he'd be when I get him into an ankle lock in about two seconds after they ring the bell for us to go at it. What is an mm-hmm. ankle lock? Ooh. It's oh man! If you don't know, you're you are subject to it. Trust me, it's something you do not. So trust me, you do not want to get caught by one in, in grappling. Okay, it's it's like uh, it's kind of a joke, right? Like you don't you don't want to have them. But I I I, I actually have two medals that were both won by ankle locks. So uh, yeah, there you go. Man, mm-hmm. your world is not my world. Do you want to do you want to hear something funny? I have to tell you a funny quirk Please. about me. And is it about um, ankle? Locks? You know, I I used to have a lot of medals, uh, like with about surrounding the world of fighting. Okay, and I even had yeah. like a big belt. And I don't like that. I like that to me. I I see that part of my life as like just vain glory, and I don't like it. And on several occasions, I have thrown them all out, and and either children or or Amber fish them out of the garbage. Okay. And one day I got rid of all of them and it's been years. And the other day I was cleaning out a bin in the basement and found this taped up envelope, very heavy. And I cut it open to see what it was because I'm purging things from our house. And there they all were. (laughs) Is that not the most annoying? There's nothing more annoying than trying to throw something away and, and and it just continually ending up back in, in my home. Well, I think the uh, message of this is that the good Lord wants you to have it. Don't throw no, out don't the past, so. good brother. Trust me. Trust me. That's not it. Hey, I have Did a question you, for you. Your belt. No, I need to hear about the belt. What's the belt in? Mm, I don't really want. <laughs> Come oh on. What's the belt in? Did you hospitalize someone? What's the belt in? No, no. It was from a... Uh, it was from a <laughs> A tournament that, I mean, we MMA is what you would call it, and it was called Buffalo's Toughest Bouncer. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> the editors need to edit this out. This no. This is so terrible. Absolutely and, not. Uh, this is what the people need to hear, and oh, you now have gosh. a new nickname. <laughs> Dave no. Buffalo's Toughest Bouncer. It, was this, it used to be before UFC was big, it was like a big deal, and bars would sponsor fighters from all over like from you if you lived within four hours of buffalo which is a big mma place canada you know like across the border and all there's a lot of people 
yeah, a lot of the early UFC fighters came from Buffalo. Oh, this is so terrible. I hate this part. I hate so much talking about this. Why? But, yeah. It's so fascinating. No, it's not. It's it, do you do you want to know why I did it? I'll, this what? is absolutely the truth. I <laughs> Max was born and we had all these medical bills coming in and I had no money and and I it's it, in two nights you could win $16,000 and I and I knew that I I would win and so I just was like I'm doing it. I, I I need that money, and I'm doing it. It was our. It was, the money was basically already spent, and so I just did. And it was really awful, but I I did it, and yeah, and and now I, and now I'm ashamed, completely ashamed. Of you, it. you put people in the hospital. So no, I did. I did. Stop saying that. Bills. I didn't. I did no, not. No, I've I already not. tweeted it. I'm sorry. I've already tweeted it. I did not <laughs> say that. Um. Moving on from that, ugh, that is my least favorite topic on earth. Um, Ankle strong. Maybe not least favorite topic, but um, uh, but uh, here's here's a here's a thought. I've, this is something I'm pondering as okay. of late. Okay, I've been Let's spending a lot of time with with someone who likes traditional liturgy. Okay, go on. Or no, I, I shouldn't say like. I should not say like. I I should say like is not enough, right? Like it, who feels very much like she's fed by traditional liturgy and yeah it's not just a so I've been thi- it's a, yeah. no 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 right right so i'm thinking so i've been thinking about it a lot and it's not and and again like i mean you know you've known me for a long time like i've never i've never been not traditional at all mm-hmm. i've always been un- very uncomfortable with part parts of the novus ordo and especially how it plays out in certain places and things like that but i've been thinking about this a lot but i've also in the last year been going to a lot more like charismatic events and mm-hmm. and kind of like re i don't know it's probably it's probably more nostalgia at this point but like thinking about what a role the renewal played in my life you know and and i want and i've been thinking about like yeah okay i want my kids to be exposed to the to both of these sides right like mm-hmm. So for Lent, we're actually going to go to the traditional Latin Mass community here in Pittsburgh for Mass. Okay, so and 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 they were uncomfortable with it, but I was like, look, this is you know all of those saints that you guys like adore and love. Like this was the Mass that they grew up with, and it would be good for you to see this side of the church. And yeah, and I've also been taking them to like the festivals of praise at Franciscan University and and showing them that side, you know, and everything. And I, it's like I I wonder like, do you ever think about how to strike that balance because I love the richness of traditional Catholicism. Okay. And again, like, you know, I, 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 when I say traditional, you know what I mean? I mean, traditional Catholicism, I don't mean like tratty, like with air quotes around it, you know, but also I love the radicalness of, of charismatic spirituality. And I want, I don't want either of those to be squashed. Like I want my kid to dance before the ark like David, but also, make the the tent according to plan the way he did you know what i mean like i want both of those things yeah do you ever think about this i think about it literally all the time when i you know really my oh my gosh i'm so happy oh all the time because so yeah. i mean last night I'm, I'm doing this parish mission wonderful church here in kansas city called ascension i think it's their largest parish in their diocese and uh someone had asked me a question like liturgy gets brought up I would say, even if people don't know my background and my like newfound obsession with it, liturgy gets brought up uh, one out of every five questions now. Right, and I'm, I'm it's a hot to topic a right now. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And in and, and just the general zeitgeist of, of Catholicism from what I'm finding. And so yesterday I said, listen, just because we have wonderful liturgies does not give us permission to be terrible people. And just because yeah, okay. we have rock solid conservative orthodoxy doesn't give us permission to be cold hearted and not care about the poor and all this stuff. And so I always use my model of Acts 242. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. And the way I broke that down, apostles' teaching, doctrine, fellowship, community, breaking of the bread, liturgy, and the prayers, devotion. And I, 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 don't, I don't understand how people think that just because you have a 10 out of 10 with liturgy, you can have a okay. zero out of 10 with community, or you can have, right. you can turn or evangelization. You know, and, yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of articles within like the traditional Latin mass. And again, I haven't been to Latin mass in 25 years, except for like two weeks ago when I was up in Dallas, okay. I decided to go. There's a big Latin mass community called Mater Dei. And uh, yeah, I went yeah, there and I then my car broke down. A lot of my friends went there. That's fine. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great. But, uh, and the guy's homily was about love and about you know like loving the poor especially and people who are not like us and blah 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 you know and this image that a lot of people have of like all they do is bag on you know modernist blah 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 what i'm finding is the more the latin mass movement grows the more they realize oh we need radical disciples just as much as everyone else we don't just need a bunch of people who love the traditional Latin mass. Maybe that was the beginning. We actually need yeah. evangelists and disciple makers and we need people who know how to catechize well. We need people who know how to serve the poor. So there's a lot of like FSSP, which are priest of fraternity of St. Peter, churches that do tons of like outreach and all this stuff, which is against kind of like people's mental image. But you're right. Like, so yesterday I said, I go to a traditional parish when it comes to the liturgy. And one of the talks that I gave was just because we have the perfect liturgy you know air quotes there just because we have the perfect yeah. liturgy doesn't mean we won't end up in hell and right. my whole talk was what does it matter if we do have the perfect liturgy but we do not love our neighbor as ourselves and we don't right uh, and and the whole world doesn't understand rejects us because they see how much we hate each other instead of how much we love each other right and i'm like th this is the thing like you can't get rid of one because you're really good at the other and liberal parishes have been doing that for a very long time when it comes to liturgy they think well we care about the thing the people that jesus cares about. of course we do outreach right. and we right. do community and our churches in the round stuff. right but then they have terrible liturgy they have man-centric liturgies and the way i heard it once from patrick lencioni I thought was so great. He said, I want a church. I want a parish that's a church and a church that's a parish. He said, to yeah. be the church, it has to be sacramental and liturgical. The whole point is to worship God. He goes, right. but then after that, I want it to be warm and welcoming and inviting and, and, and build families up and support marriages and help people when they're going through a rough time and you know do outreach to the poor and, and run a shelter. He goes, that's the parish. There's the church and the parish. And obviously, it's kind of an artificial designation, but he's just like, that's the way I think of it. And if you fail on the sacraments and the liturgy side of things, he said, then what's the point of being Christian? Right. And to me, that that is the note that struck with me really profoundly. And that's what I want to get across. Like, if we get the liturgy wrong, it doesn't matter what else we do in a certain extent, because the point of being Christian is to worship God. Yeah. But if I hate my neighbor, then how can I say I love God, right? So this is the yeah. balance that I think we always must keep it in tension. And 
And when we don't, I think the church suffers gravely in both yeah, regards. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the common thoughts of that time that all of us probably have had relatives who said this was, well, you didn't associate with people who weren't Catholic. And that, I mean, it, yeah, my mom that, was 16 when she met her first the, Protestant. The, the, the ident, but the identity of the church is lost at that moment, right? Like it's, yeah. it's gone, right? Like you, you cannot, yeah, of course the liturgy is the, place where you see it the most clearly but if you if the church is not evangelizing it's particularly if not reaching to the marginalized right that i don't know that's an issue it's interesting it's something well, I th- Benedict I, had a great yeah, line the way he summarized it he said the church in every age is only characterized by three things the worship of god the love of neighbor and service to the poor Ooh, and when you it. when you i mean when you distill it down right the worship of god the love of neighbor and service to the poor there's the worship yeah. of god involves the liturgy and the sacraments it also involves right, right teaching, sound doctrine, right. right? Love of neighbor involves rebuke and exhortation as much as it involves encouragement, of course. And support, you know, all that stuff. And then the poor. I'm, I, I, to me, the, the real quality, the radical nature of Christian love of the poor came to me when I was trying to refute anti-Catholic <laughs> uh, folks who were quoting Galatians, Paul and Galatians, where he says, I oppose Peter to his face. Yeah, in yeah. Galatians chapter two, right before he says that, right, he talks about for fifteen years he labored in what today is like modern day Syria, northern Lebanon, and whatnot. And he said that when he came, he lay, he laid down his gospel in front of Peter and James, and those reported to be pillars. And it said they gave us the right hand of fellowship. They told us, "You go to the Gentiles, and we will go to the circumcision." Only right. to not forget the poor, which we were eager to do. And I was like, isn't that funny that they're having this massive dispute over Jews and Gentiles? But it's like, but also, remember, Christ is found in the poor. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I do. I really do. It's beautiful. I can't remember the name of the theologian, but he was was not good. But um, there's like a a famous story. I think it was in um, uh, George Weigel's biography of Pope John Paul where they're taking some picture at the Vatican and, and this, this theologian's near Pope John Paul and Pope John Paul like makes a joke, like you better stand over there because his theology is like very liberal, but he wrote a book about poverty, like the poverty of Christ. And I mean, it, it really, I don't have the guts to respond the way I feel like I should respond to that book. Like I, like I'm ready to be like, okay, we're, we're like buying a bus and retrofitting it and going around like, serving the poor you yeah. know like yeah. like you read is so inspiring anyways it's 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 been a thought on my mind but of course today we are back into our series on mystagogy mystagogia and we're going to be talking again about the next sacrament of initiation which is confirmation and probably i would say for i, I know a lot of our listeners work for the church and confirmation is like one of those words like you hear it and you just get frustrated right there's a lot of baggage associated with the sacrament of confirmation because of the way it plays out in America today. We've had plenty of episodes talking about that, like kind of the crisis of confirmation, but it's difficult. But what we're trying to talk about here is entering more deeply into the sacrament, right? To to explore the mystery of the sacrament of confirmation and to draw out what what someone who's newly confirmed at the vigil would would want to know about these mysteries. Oh, I can I, I just am so excited about this series. <laughs> I really am. I'm so yeah. excited because like the sacramental life is meant to be life. Yeah. Right? And the and the sacraments that we only receive once. So 
going from baptism to confirmation, like you only receive the sacrament once. And so to a certain extent in America, we tend to, with confirmation, it's like a carrot and a stick kind of thing. Like, oh, you want the carrot uh-huh. of the sacrament? Well, here's the very long stick of two years, three years in faith formation for you to get it and whatnot. And you still find that they don't get it. Yeah. So what, like for me, an understanding of the way I talk about confirmation, it's your own Pentecost, right? Sure. It is the, it is the, the full completion of what was begun in baptism, but it is an anointing, a messianic anointing of the Holy Spirit. And to turn sure. it into, you're now an adult in the faith, is to ruin what confirmation is supposed to be. And I say this because all four of my kids this year are getting confirmed together. Okay. Okay. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Wow. Because in the ordinary, they do restored order. Okay. Okay. All And so, yeah, last year, my son Thomas was his first Holy Communion. So he went through, it was his year. We didn't want to, you know, have any of the kids doing the sacraments. And now we were like, wait a second. Now that they're all receive Holy Communion, they can now all receive confirmation together confirmation yeah so how will that how will that look then how will they do it so what we do we do monthly preparation and uh i'm a i'm a part of the preparation team of course and uh of course you are (laughs) so in the ordinary it's a little bit different they teach the four pillars of catholic of the catechism right and you have parents that learn the four pillars and i teach the parent class then you have the elementary kids and then middle school and high school kids together but they've been doing this for several years now, five years now, that a lot of them are, a lot of the parishioner families have already had their kids confirmed. Okay. So there's just a handful of okay. kids now okay. that are older. Most of them are younger. Right. Okay. When will they learn how to pray in tongues at, at your parish? When will that, what, what lesson is that number? Do number you think the Queen's English is in tongues? Because they say <laughs> govna quite a lot. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I love that meme of it's two people going like two big old burly arms like locked in like a cool hand grip. And it said yeah. well, the one arm says charismatics and the other one says traditionalists. And it says they both agree. No English in the liturgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, no, I, you know, and part of teaching the way I do it is first Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Right. And uh, I teach the charismatic gifts through 12, 13 and 14. And I want my kids, this is part of that radicalness that I, I, I totally believe in. Like, the Spirit of the Lord will give you the gift that he believes you will use to the glory of the kingdom, right? Yeah. To manifest the kingdom to people, especially to unbelievers. And so getting my kids to realize, number one, that we are in the middle of a, a radical brotherhood called the church. But that brotherhood is outward facing right and it faces the world to bring people into the brotherhood not to say the world you're okay i'm okay everyone's okay and so the goal of our our christian existence is to make more christians like we are colonizers that is absolutely what we are here to do we are on the march and the whole world is to become catholic and so in that context you can't do this without the Holy Spirit. You absolutely cannot. And so having people understand that the Holy Spirit is going to not just like what your gifts and talents are, but above that, gift you, give you a charismata, right, to give you a gift of, of grace 
to enable you to win souls. Like, this is amazing, and this is what we want to do. And I want my kids to be open to that. Absolutely. Yeah. it's. Uh, I'll tell you, when you start looking at, and I don't remember, it must have been for a paper or something, uh, the history of confirmation. And I, I mean, the church in all her wisdom, I'm sure, has reasons for for changing the the, the right, right? But um, it was, as far as like signs and symbols, one of the more like potent things, right? Like they the oil wasn't just put on their head. It was like they oiled up their entire bodies, you know, like it was, it was to like, it was as if you were going into the arena, right. To be, to be martyred or to fight like you, like wow. confirmation, there was a, a real richness to, yeah, it was awesome. And even like, even think about the, the Bishop slapping you. Do you think when they got oiled up, they were like, I am going to be the strongest Buffalo. <laughs> Oh my bouncer. gosh! I'm I'm so regretting that that ever even came out. Uh, uh, no, tell me about the bishop slapping you. Well, I mean, you know, like think about that because that's something that some bishops still do, um, yeah. and 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 probably most of our listeners have some memory of it, right? That yeah. that it was it was like a reminder, like, hey, you're going to suffer for your faith. Like th- that's what confirmation has a real a real connotation of like you go out and you are part of the army of the Lord at yeah. this moment, right? And you are going to suffer for it. And, I, yeah. you know, I, I love it, like the richness of that. I think we've all all but lost the meaning of it in in modern America right now. Um, yeah. You see the way it's played out right now is pretty, pretty abysmal. So, yeah. And the slap that my dad, you know, my dad, he tells tells the story of that when he was one of the youngest of the brothers and they're like, dude, the bishop's going to slap you. So be a man. You're not allowed to cry or it doesn't count. <laughs> he's like, the bishop's going to what? And he's like, he slaps everyone in the face. Like you just have yeah. to deal with it. Right. Don't flinch. Don't flinch. Right. <laughs> right. It's confirmed. Right. Oh, that's he's funny. Waiting to, he's waiting to get backhand. But uh, right. that right comes from the, the, the knighting ceremony where they take the right. sword and they, you're, you're supposed to like slap the shoulders of the knight which then becomes the touching of the shoulders. But um, the idea of that was, yeah, like you're going into war. You're going into war. You're going into war. Be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And the, when you look at, like in the catechism, it talks about the effects of confirmation. You know, almost all of it is a, a development of baptismal graces. But the last effect and the one that I think probably is lost the most is it gives us a quote. It gives us a special strength of the Holy Spirit to spread and defend the faith by word and action as true witnesses of Christ, to confess the name of Christ boldly and never to be ashamed of the cross. I I think like we don't that's not really spoken about all that much anymore. Most of what you hear about confirmation is like, well, now it's your turn to choose the faith, right? It's now it's your turn to yeah. like that that's what this is is we're going to confirm that you want to be this part when in actuality it's the it you are entering into the fullness of catholicism right you are fully initiated into the church and when you're fully initiated you, you're part of the army right and and buckle up you know yeah my favorite like looking at this biblically one of my favorite ways to look at the power of the holy spirit at pentecost right remember when when saint peter he preaches the first charismatic sermon, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Here, who's this is what Jesus? Who Jesus is? Yeah. What Jesus did? You killed him, so repent and right. And it says that they were cut to the heart. What must we do? Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? And so then there, the the phrase that he said was he's quoting the prophet Joel, and he's like, 
in those times, my spirit will fall upon all flesh, right? Even the manservants and the maidservants. When you look at the phrase, the spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's so fascinating because the spirit of the Lord as an active agent in the life of the people of Israel (sighs) is all over the book of Judges. Everywhere. Yeah. And you look at it in, in, in Judges and First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, Chronicles, Wisdom, uh, like all the prophets, right? But the Spirit of the Lord, the book of Judges, a lot of Catholics don't understand. There was no king over Israel. There was the 12 tribes. And there were men that God would raise up to like militarily defend the people of Israel. But God was understood as the king of Israel. And so in Judges chapter 3, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel and went out to war and the Lord gave, you know, blah, blah, blah into his hand and uh, all these names I can't pronounce. The spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and blah, blah, blah. Over and over again, the spirit of the Lord is shown as that which empowers the people of God to to live the life of faith in the midst of tremendous adversity, suffering, hostility. So yeah, we kind of need the spirit of the Lord in order to do this Christian thing remotely, not just really well. Yeah, I I love, I'm glad you went there because, so you think about this, right, that the spirit of the Lord stirred up these guys to preserve a, a people within the midst of aggressive pagan kingdoms okay yeah then couple that with the grace of jesus christ right the power of the resurrection at pentecost and it's like this isn't just to preserve now you're gonna go out and destroy like like you're gonna go out and win you know and i love that like that development right so you go from kind of like circling the wagons to saying like, uh, we're not just trying to keep ourselves safe. You're not safe, right? Like what you have lived in is now over and we are going to, we're going to pronounce truth over the lies that you have developed. I love that idea. I absolutely love the fact that it's a development of that. So yeah, that's one of the themes that I've been coming to lately, Dave, I don't think I told you this. I've been quoting you lately (laughs) in my talks. So I have this opening line. So I've been reading these books on sales. And, uh, you know, how do you, how do you <laughs> just shock? Go over, just in case anyone doesn't know yet, he gets so annoying about topics like this. He is going to talk about sales for the next six months in more depth than like Zig Ziglar. Like he'll be, <laughs> it'll be ridiculous. So here we go. I'm the poor man, Zig Ziglar. Uh, <laughs> but, it, you know, they talk about like you have, like when you're selling, even in the act of selling, you have to have a, like, what are you going to say that's going to wake the person up? to what yeah. you're trying to do right yeah. so in in professional speech giving there's always the thing of how do you get everyone's attention and all that stuff yeah so i came up with a phrase that i use now four times in a high school talk that i did in at saint dominic's in uh, st louis and then last night in my parish mission and my opening talk was i feel bad for those of you in this room who have never been a part of either exorcism ministry or prison ministry Oh, gosh. Raise your hands if you've ever been to prison <laughs> or or possessed. Anyone. Anyone. You know, and then so yeah, right. it's stupid, but I was like, you know, and then I tell a story that you've shared and I am horrified at every step of the story. And you're like, what is your problem? So I left these 
you know, ritual objects in the trunk of my car overnight. And then I had my son burn them in a burn. It's fine. And I'm like, humana, 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 humana. And then I asked you, I don't know if you remember this. I asked you, I go, how the heck do you sleep at night? And you're like, awesome. Because I feel bad for those who have never seen the Lord work in such a powerful way that like, he's like, you said, I don't, I don't really have faith the way other people do because I see it. Like I've seen the Lord work. And then, and honestly, when you said that, that's how I felt about prison ministry. Sure. So my thing, this is where the ADHD moment kicks in, but this is where the connection is to what you said. You don't need the Holy Spirit if you're not going to war. You don't need the Holy Spirit if you just want to live a comfortable, bougie life with a little bit of Jesus to make you feel good about yourself. Not life change, just feel good about yourself. Got a little God, got a little America, got a little apple pie. Like, that's all you need, right? Right. Right. And like my neighbor, my neighbor is a great guy. I'm happy. He's the most redneck dude I've ever met. I'm very happy that he's my neighbor. Um, I know that uh, in case there's a gun battle, he will single handedly defend the whole neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> which also. Yeah, you got to have feels, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. You always got to have one on your block that's like zombie yeah. apocalypse. Yeah. I'm your dude. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm... <laughs> but he goes, he goes, you know, I love the Lord Jesus, but I don't go to church and you don't need to go to church to love Jesus. And like, he's just a good old boy. He has this image of Jesus in his head. And, and I realized like, yeah, when you want to live your life in your terms, you don't have to associate with anyone. Yeah. But when you want to live your life on Christ's terms, Christ is the one that you give permission. That's why St. Paul uses the phrase slaves. We're slaves to righteousness, We're slaves to Christ. Because in a sense, it's like what the Roman centurion said, I'm a man under authority. If I say go, a man goes, right? If yeah. I say come, a man right. comes, right? And so I think about this because when we want to live comfortably and we define our Christianity as that which makes me comfortable, and that word comfort is not happiness, right? Like it's the opposite of happiness in many cases for most people. We don't need to be bold. We don't need to have the spirit of the Lord. We don't need to have gifts. We just need to be comfortable. Um, We just need to have a sick 401k plan and then you're going to be fine. Everything's fine. And so for me, I tell them all the time now, I was like, last week, this week, the boldness, the reason why you're bored with Christianity is because you're not living it at the peripheries, at the margins of society where the gospel is needed the most. You just kind of associate with people who kind of sort of love God and Jesus. And no one needs anything but your own energies for that. And that's why you're bored. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree with you more. I, you know, this is confirmation. When you start reading about confirmation, you should get angry about the status of evangelization of Catholics. Like, we should be conquering the entire world. There should not be a place that they aren't seeing wonderful works of the Holy Spirit to, to bring the gospel to people. Because that's what this is about, right? It's giving us that power. And it's, it's not just, guys, it's not just a club. I mean, that's the problem. Like, it, this is yep. an infinite amount of power. It's a sacrament, right? We are encountering the living God in this moment. And so it's only limited by us. And, and I think, like, we have to, like, really reclaim the seriousness of what this means. You know, I think about, like, we have some really good friends who um, were here. They're in the tech industry, and they're from Israel. They, you know, they're, they're Israeli, and they grew up there, and they've been here, like, 12 years they just went back but both of them you know i remember asking them one time like oh you guys met in the military they're like yeah well everyone meets in the military in israel and i was like why yeah. and they're like because everyone in, in israel 
goes in the military. You have to like it's required, yeah. you know, conscription. And I and I it was kind of like the first time I'd ever thought about. It. I'd heard about it, but it was kind of the first time I ever thought about yeah. it. You know, it's it's a, a horrible shame, right? It's a horrible shame that we don't see that that we feel this this ability to not be on the front lines after confirmation because it's not real that's not true you are on the front lines and i think like several people have said it but like you know th- this idea of like there's no safe way to follow jesus christ there's there's no safe way to not follow him right like there like there there really isn't like in that comfort it's a, it's a yeah. lie right it's a lie that we tell ourselves and it's not real. The the only only way to not go back is to just start moving forward, right? And to bring the Lord to as many people as possible. Yeah. Confirmation is also a tricky sacrament because it followed, in the tradition, it follows so closely with baptism that they were all administered basically at the same time. But everyone knows the difference yeah. between baptism and Holy Communion. But when right. confirmation is another anointing of oil and oh baptism has two oil anointings as well people in the earliest days of the church there were even arguments over whether the sacrament of confirmation was a distinct sacrament from baptism right and so what we have is this understanding of of what was begun in baptism is completed in the sacrament of confirmation and then the question that was asked about 20 30 years ago was why are we in the west delaying it so much if yeah. it completes baptism, why are we waiting until people are almost in college before we give it to them? Right. And the reality is the reason why we do that is is purely demographics. It is to keep more bodies in our churches. Because when people receive the, confirmation, they receive okay. graduation. And the so studies show not a was, theological uh, argument for it or no? The theological argument is, well, in the West, we keep it tied to the bishop. The bishop can't be everywhere all at once. So you move your whole parish's confirmation to once a year, and that just gets less, uh, longer and longer. So I'm in the Kansas That's City ridiculous. Diocese. I believe they do it in eighth grade here. I think Wichita Diocese does it in eighth grade. The Archdiocese of Galveston-Houston does it sophomore year. I was talking with a professor in theology and catechetics, and uh, he basically said, look, if you do restored order and you move it to third grade, no one, everyone drops in third grade. If you do it in fifth grade, everyone leaves in fifth grade. If you do it in eighth grade, everyone leaves in eighth grade. If you do it in ninth grade, everyone leaves in ninth grade. He said, no matter when you do it, parents are only sacramentalizing their kids. They're not catechizing and they're not evangelizing. If you delay, then you have more of an opportunity to win souls for Christ. To which I say. You're not taking, who's taking that opportunity? Come on. That's a Yeah, well, I mean, okay. So I think, so let me, I think Ascension Press is chosen series which is their confirmation curriculum that i have used my churches have used yeah i've used it it takes an evangelizing approach to the sacrament of it's not just strict here's you know matter form minister recipient effects it like you get in the catechism it's like here's the christian life and here's the way the christian life is in the holy spirit and here's the way we receive confirmation it's a constant reproposing of the gospel and but but even so even with that it's we're still kicking the can uphill right because we don't we're we're still not imparting to every person that receives hey you're a soldier now and then the rejoinder is so what babies and second graders can receive that message better right okay Okay. Yeah. So that that's the thing. It's like, okay, so you want all this stuff and you want it. It's like, yeah, but the, the biggest problem is we have a competing theology 
in the minds of everyone, which is I've now graduated. And that theology even exists for people who become Catholic on Easter Vigil, right? They get baptized, right. confirmed, no, it, oh, they receive Holy Communion, does. and then we never see them again for mystagogia, which is right. why we're doing this whole thing. The sacrament of confirmation equals graduation, and that alone to me is worth revisiting the age of confirmation. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, you know, to me, like the the witness of saints, right, bunks some of this theory, right? I mean, you you have like, like let's think like Potitus, who was like, what, 12, 13. You have Blessed Imelda Lambertini. I think she was six or seven, right? You have like all these super young saints that, I, I guess I'm just saying like, like it, to be young does not mean that you are not a soldier for for the lord right right at least at least it you know not in those cases but yeah i i i agree with you i think like uh like one of the major issues in all of catholicism not even just in this order or the restored order or the, or the debate about it is we love like the checklists we love the certificates we love like the graduations you know that kind of thing is like you put on a series at your parish guaranteed there will be people who would be like okay now i've done that what do i what's next like it's it's not like necessarily like this lifelong pilgrimage right uh, or this lifelong battle that we're in yeah i i you know i think that for my kids it's like i try to stress to them right that this is this is a battle it's an adventure and it's your entire life it like that that that's what we're here for that's it so one of the things in the catechism that i love is this understanding of the effects of confirmation gives a another seal. And we it says, uh, like baptism, which it completes, confirmation is given only once for it to imprints on the soul an indelible mark, the character, which is the sign that Jesus Christ has marked a Christian with the seal of his spirit by clothing him with power from on high so that he might be his witness. You have the seal to be the witness. If you don't want to be the witness, don't go get the seal, right? And, but right. like, you have to understand that when the sacramental action is done to you and for you, you are sealed with the promise of the Father. You are sealed. Like, this is an infallible way of knowing, right? That you have the Holy Spirit in your life is are you in the state of grace and have you received the sacrament of baptism and confirmation? Great. You are right. as, you are as graced as the men and women. At Pentecost, you might not have the the role of apostle, which you know came with its own charisms, but you have every bit the amount of access to the Holy Spirit of God. And for us to go around, you know, but part of my staff formation yesterday here at Ascension was like, look, look at this room. You got like thirty or twenty employees. That's more people nice. than the apostles. Why haven't we conquered Kansas City yet? <laughs> right the reason why we haven't conquered is we don't think it's our place our role our time i was like but you have the holy spirit you really do have access and so this is what it says the last paragraph 1305 this character perfects the common priesthood of the faithful received in baptism and the confirmed person receives the power to profess faith in christ publicly and as it were officially Quasi, I love they throw in the Latin, quasi ex officio, right? You are, you have the power to profess the faith publicly. I love it so much that, you know, there are two canon laws that are on the books that allow, like, that basically just make it clear that lay people can evangelize without permission, right? 
Yeah. Not necessarily in the name of the church, but they can evangelize without, like, they do not need permission to evangelize. And both of those, if you, like, look into, like, their history and everything, are linked to confirmation because how they had to make this law because you can't confirm people and then tell them they can't evangelize because that, that's what it's, you know, that's what it's about. It's about the finishing of that, of that gift of baptism to bring others into a filial relationship with God. Yeah, every, all of the effects that they list are the strengthening of baptismal graces, but it's like to the point of like, now we're going to strengthen it so much that it's not just protecting it, right? It's, it's to go out and to serve yeah. others and to die to the world and to bring them to the resurrection. I love it. Dr. Regis Martin in at Franciscan, when we were talking, I took a sacraments class with him. And for anyone yeah, who doesn't cool. know, when you take a sacraments class with Dr. Martin, you don't really talk about the sacraments. You talk about Babette's feast. You talk about a <laughs> sacramental <laughs> worldview, right? Right. Right. He does not he does not give you matter form at all. Right. And right. I remember distinctly this one time we started talking about the sacraments. He went on and on about the most important sacrament needed in the Christian life. And I'm, of course, thinking he's talking about the Eucharist. And then he says, right, confirmation. I can't believe this. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, and I was like, wow. wait, what? And he said, the most underplayed sacrament in the life of the church is one of the most important. And so then he starts going through all this stuff about how much St. Paul talks about needing the Holy Spirit of God and, and acts of the apostles and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And then he connected it to confirmation as the sacrament of hope. Hope means patient endurance, knowing yeah. you'll have an outcome at the end and hoping for that outcome, but you're still working as if you're assured of it, right? And all of this stuff, and he just keeps going through and you're just like, I had no idea how vital, how vital confirmation is. And leaning into that sacrament is what it means to be a Catholic. In a, in a very real way. Man, leave it to Dr. Martin. Hey, we should take a break here uh, and we listen should. to, uh, who knows, maybe they'll even advertise Chosen on this commercial. We might be able to just immediately pick it up. There'd be that synergy between us. <laughs> so synergistic. Uh, well, here's something, yeah, here's something from our friends at Ascension Press. We love being a part of the Ascension Press community. Go and we'll tell you what to text if you want to get our updates. <laughs> text EKSB to 33777 and you'll hop on our email list there and we will not spam you. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Cavins, and I'm excited to introduce you to the Ascension app. It contains the full text of the Great Adventure Bible, the full text of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and both the Bible and Catechism in a Year podcast. The app has special features that make the connections between the Bible and the Catechism crystal clear, like color-coded cross-links and easy navigation. It also answers nearly 1,000 questions from Bible in a Year listeners about the Bible with videos from myself and others, also audio clips and excerpts from Ascension's popular books. To download the app, simply go to the App Store on your phone and search Ascension. I hope you enjoy it. I enjoy it. Carry it around everywhere I go. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. We trust the information from Ascension was moving, stirring, downright beautiful. Speaking of stirring, Dave, what are we going to do to send our our blessed sheep into into the den of wolves? Do wolves have dens? They have packs. You know what? I don't know. What are we doing, yeah, Dave? Baby. What are we going to do? Wolves have packs. Wolves have packs. We don't need dens to hide in. Just kidding. I'm sure that <laughs> I, like, I think there are wolves. I think there are wolves. 
You're a wolf. I'm a sheepdog. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the problems with confirmation is so many people are, are the, the sacramental grace of confirmation remains latent uh, and needs to be enacted with, with faith. And, and I think like to lean into confirmation means to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to stir up like those gifts that he, that he started in us and gave to us. And so I think like a good thing would be to just daily commit to praying for the Lord to enact right uh to stir up that grace of confirmation in our life and and i'll uh, why don't we just end and i'll lead a prayer that people could use like that what do you think about i that? think that's great that i think that's great okay yeah. all right in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen <laughs> lord jesus uh we thank you so much that you are not a god who remains far off but that you are a god who comes after us and romances us and gives yourself to us. And we, Lord, uh, through an act of our will, whether we feel it or not, we give ourselves totally and completely to you. We are sorry for our sins and the ways that we failed, but we trust in your mercy and in the sacrifice of your cross, Lord, that you can make us into sons and daughters. Lord Jesus, you sent your Holy Spirit down upon us, and we're so thankful for the grace of that Holy Spirit. And we ask the third person of the Trinity, the Lord, the giver of life, we ask you, O Holy Spirit, to come into our hearts once again more fully. We surrender to you, and we ask that you would stir up every bit of grace within us, uh, that you would come more plentifully into our hearts, and that you would use us to conquer the world for the love of God and for the ability to, to make others sons and daughters of, of the Father. We ask this in your in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. In the name amen. of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless y'all. Adios.